Hello, everybody, and welcome to another very special episode of Ignite Radio Live. You are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio. For the Almighty, we proclaim it. I love myfamily.us. Another proclamation. Say it with me, people. I love myfamily.us. Join us to go more deeply into the great adventure of family. Coming out of the COVID fog and isolation, we know that we are about real presence. We're all yearning for that connection. We are the fabric of the Holy Trinity in our marriages and families. And one occasion to do that, at least in the Toledo area, is something we call Belief and Beverage Nights. We've had four, we have four consecutive months of amazing professors from Hillsdale College who are addressing us and setting the stage for very meaningful conversation. Well, these take place in the third Thursdays of every month at Cronin's GMC of of Perrysburg. The next one's coming up next Thursday. So we ask that you please register, join us. These have been very uplifting uh, at massimpact.us forward slash BNB. That's massimpact.us forward slash BNB. And that's September 15th, um, depending on when you hear this uh, podcast as to what that next Thursday <laughs> looks like. So September 15th. And if you can't join us, um, please stay tuned for the re-airing of the talk. So folks, tonight we have a very special guest and a conversation about some consequential things. Um, as Catholics here on this earth, we are not angels, we are certainly spirit, but we live it out in a very real material world with challenges and obligations, and do we not maybe have some concerns or fears for perhaps with a political or economic landscape where, where it is? Wouldn't it be helpful to have some clarity and some insight as to some tools that might help us really build the kingdom? Isn't that what it's all about? And that's certainly prayer at the very core, but it plays out in financial matters. All of that uh, plays a significant role in our lives. So we have a very good brother that I've known for a number of decades now. His name is Matthew Pinto. And uh, first of all, I just want to welcome you, Matthew, to the program. How are you doing? Greg and Stephanie, it's good to be with you. Thank you for joining us. For, for economy's sakes, so we can get right to it. We are going to read the bio, if you will, from Matthew from catholiccreation.com. So you can find uh, the principal focus of what we're going to be talking tonight at catholiccreation.com. And uh, we're certainly going to, as we always do, go back to the beginning in just a moment. Before we do so, though, Steph, why don't you lead us in the bio? Okay, a pioneer in Catholic marketing and ministry development, Matthew Pinto has been at the forefront of multiple Catholic initiatives since the early 1990s. In 1998, he founded Ascension Press, which all of you listeners I'm sure are very familiar with, leading the Catholic publisher and media outlet to global prominence until 2021. Matt is the founder of the Genesis Group and Spark Catholic Communications and co-founder of the Theology of the Body Institute, Envoy Magazine, the Maximus Group, and CatholicExchange.com. He has authored or co-authored more than a dozen books and educational resources, including the best-selling Amazing Grace series, which is commonly recognized as the Catholic Chicken Soup for the Soul, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? <laughs> and Freedom, 12 Lives Transformed Through the Theology of the Body. He also conceptualized and co-wrote A Guide to the Passion, 100 Questions About the Passion of the Christ, a New York Times religious bestseller with sales exceeding 1 million copies. 
Matt is a founding member of the Catholic Marketing Network, CMN, a recipient of the Outstanding Catholic Leadership Award in 2004 from the Catholic Leadership Institute and has served on multiple boards. He and his wife, Marianne, have been married for 28 years and reside with their children in suburban Philadelphia. On a personal note, I was blessed to run across Matt, if you will, and work together in the early 2000s on a film project called Champions of Faith that was essentially uh, Rocky Balboa meets mainstream uh, Major League Baseball players, X-Team Donnelly, Supan Sweeney, which I still think is a classic. It's a phenomenal blend of great testimony by MLB superstars with really good music and the inside cover, the inside uh, that is accompanied with every DVD. Uh, I was... I wrote most of that booklet, and uh, I believe it was under Matt's overall leadership with Catholic Exchange and the Maximus Group, at least part of the marketing, if not the film itself. Do you remember that, Matt? I do. I do. In fact, uh, for your audience, I, I do want to pay this compliment. Now, Stephanie, this is the first I'm meeting you, but yes. uh, Greg, really, I have always had you on a short list of, of uniquely gifted uh, Catholic entrepreneurs in the country, and I've interfaced with a lot of people. And so, Greg, your gifts have been a blessing to the church. Again, Stephanie, I'm just meeting you now, but I know behind every good man is a, <laughs> is a good, strong woman. So uh, I, I have every confidence in your gifts as well. But, Greg, thank you for those uh, uh, you know, kind words. Stephanie, thank you for those words. Thank you, brother. Humbled and blessed by that. Thank you. We love to proclaim the scripture, Revelations 12:11. They defeated the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, our Holy Mass, and by the word of their testimony. And we just want to give a context for all that we're jumping into of Greg's intro and such, and give you, Matt, an opportunity to fill that out in a more broader way, where you came from, how the Lord has worked, and how he's brought you to this place today. Yeah, yeah, would love to. Uh, first off, let me comment on that verse. Uh, yeah, I've heard it before, but I'm hearing it in a different light in, in light of this conversation. Uh, you know, we defeated the enemy through the, the blood of the lamb. And guys, I, I, I got to tell you, all these years of doing ministry, it's almost 30 now or about 30. Um, yeah, that really has been the unconscious focus mm. of building up apostolates and ministries mm. almost in a guerrilla strategy, uh, like a guerrilla warfare mm. strategy with with the love of God, not in a pernicious or or evil way, um, but but really, uh, really trying to defeat that which is error in mm -hmm. our culture through the, yes. the, the multi-pronged approach of, of varied ministries. And, and that's actually, you know, really what we hope to do in, in the new um, the new era, which I, um, I began about six to eight weeks or so ago with phase two of, of the ministry life. But mm -hmm. so um, Stephanie awesome. and and Greg, the, the basic story is I was raised in a good home. I was raised the sixth child of uh, seven kids by parents who were wonderful, joyful in so many regards, but also old school in the sense that they were part of that wider ambient culture 50 years ago that generally knew right from right and wrong from wrong. And although our faith was not overtly practiced, uh, you know, I think I recall us saying basically one prayer a year uh, at Thanksgiving, and it was awkward. Um, <laughs> I, they they did get us off to mass each week and confess in each month, uh, but mostly we were raised with virtue. Mm. My mom, I very clearly uh, remember my mom almost being brought to tears, like every two three years as she spoke to us individually, 
just reminding us about how blessed we were and and really how we had to, you know, look out for those who, who were less fortunate. In fact, I think we always knew, my siblings and I knew that if we were ever in a fight at school uh, in the cause of maybe sticking up for someone, mm-hmm. there's just no way we were getting in trouble mm-hmm. because they knew that was the right thing to do. So we were raised with good soil, but not necessarily intentional faith, formative, overt Catholic faith, where we were taught regularly. So we were all kind of ripe for drifting, but we were also ripe for conversion when when those moments of awakening came. And, and uh, it, it really was, that was my story. At age 21, I, I was awakened after getting challenged by a non-Catholic Christian. And then I began a three, four year, unbelievably wonderful odyssey of learning the Catholic faith of my youth, youth for the first time. Uh, at about age 25 or so, I decided that uh, I would sell this boutique advertising business that I had began in college, and, and I would go and work full-time for the church. That came in the form of working for Catholic Answers mm-hmm. in California uh, in the early 90s. It was a glorious, wonderful honeymoon time of being in Southern California and doing apologetics in this new era mm. of apologetics that really was was launched by Carl Keating and Catholics United mm-hmm. for the Faith. Right. And, then, and then eventually uh, Scott Hahn was a few years, uh, two or three years into that. And then that really set so much ablaze. So it was a great time. I used the word honeymoon time. And uh, so, and that began my work in the church. A few years later, I started Envoy Magazine with Pat Madrid. Mm-hmm. Yes. Two years later, two years later, I wrote a book. I was a youth minister working part-time as a youth minister. I wrote a book simply for efficiency reasons. It was an efficient way to answer questions for the youth conferences I was doing. And I, I came up with a clever title, Did Adam and Eve Have Belly Buttons? And 199 <laughs> other questions. But I needed, I, I needed a publisher and I thought, you know, I came from an advertising business and I had a platform of Envoy Magazine. I'm gonna publish this myself. And so I needed a name. And, and so I chose the name Ascension because it was positive, it was pretty. It was in the Catholic lexicon. Uh, it didn't hurt that it was the letter A of the alphabet. Right. You know, with, with all, <laughs> You're a good marketer, it. yes. And uh, I had no plans, uh, Stephanie and Greg, for a second title. It was just a one-hit idea of doing Ascension Press for one book. But the book went on to, to really, really do extraordinary things. Uh, many say they believed it was a, the biggest seller in, in the Catholic world for teenagers. Mm. It, sold hundreds of thousands of copies. And so I, I then thought of a second title and um, I still was working, you know, full-time with Envoy, uh, but doing Ascension on the side. And uh, I thought of a second title, The Rapture Trap. And I got a very talented Paul Thigpen to write that book. Mm-hmm. And then I, Good man. I thought of a third, a third idea, Friendly Defenders Flashcards. And at that point, it, we were really doing pretty serious volumes. So that's when... Um, I, I moved into doing Ascension. I still did Envoy, but I did Ascension as well. And then from there, it grew over the next 20 years. So we peaked at uh, about 70 staff members, never had a single layoff due to financial reasons. It was always tight. It was always a double-fisted fight uh, that, that came with uh, the giving up of, you know, 10 pounds of flesh. But but it was a glorious time. And, and about a year and a half ago, I stepped down from that position to allow uh, new people, new ideas, uh, solid leadership in, the, in the, the fine people on my staff, specifically a gentleman named Jonathan Strait, 
mm-hmm. who, who took over ownership and leadership. And so Ascension continues to do great things. Matt, thanks so much for all of that. You know, before we dive into some of the exciting things that you have in this present moment that I truly think um, are worthy of us paying attention to, I want to zoom out 5,000 feet and ask a question that I hear often among principled Catholic business leaders who are posed with the question, can you be successful and effective in this world while being thoroughly faithful to your Catholicism? You can, although it's it's tough. It's actually even tough in some regards in Catholic ministry, and I'll define that in just a minute. But but there have been many times, uh, Stephanie and Greg, over these years that I, I kind of wiped my brow and went, man, thank goodness I don't have to live in the you know day-to-day of the secular world doing mm. these things because it's even more difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not in a position of serious authority in a company— um, then, you know, then the company can fall prey to a whole host of things that make it difficult, not necessarily objective evil, like, you know, if you were clearly producing, you know, the materials that created nuclear warheads, mm. that would be a problem or abortion, you were, right? Uh, you know, a manufacturer of abortifacients, that would be a problem. And, and you, you, you really almost couldn't stay in that situation. Um, but there are a whole host of secondary things that just make it difficult, you know, coming from our human resources departments, all types of initiatives that, that we would look askance at. Um, but even in the Catholic world, guys, although I, you, you never fully know that I don't recall a single moment over those years when I was faced with a choice that was clearly evil and we chose to do it. But there are a whole host of gray areas. There are a whole host of times when when you need to look at the, the greater cause, for example, um, if, if a particular staff member is not right, um, you know, that's a difficult thing. It's mm. very difficult. Mm. And you try and make every and all accommodations to, to make it right. But at a certain point, you have to make those tough decisions. So absolutely, it's tough. It's tough even working in the Catholic world, let alone the wider world. But it absolutely can be done. It absolutely can be done. You can provide good, uh, solid livings to your family while working virtuously in the secular or uh, Catholic marketplace. It just takes takes the formation of your intellect and your conscience, and then it takes a reliance on grace. Did you see the Guardians of the Galaxy? Did you watch the Packer game? How's your portfolio? Pizza is awesome. What we talk about doesn't just reveal what's important to us. It reveals who's important to us. This week, take a risk to grow deeper. Consider throwing in one of these. What's your biggest challenge right now? Hey, what can I pray for you for? What can I do to make your life easier right now? How about joining us for Mass this Sunday? Yeah, and coming over for breakfast. Let's pray the Holy Communion we receive correspond to a holy community we live. This has been a Mass Impact Moment. Join the great adventure at massimpact.us. Fabulous answer. And I think in my experience, Matthew, agreeing with you is when we attend to the good of the human person as a totality, one whose unsurpassed dignity is a son or daughter of God in Jesus Christ, and uh, the range of what that means, when we attend to that and we connect our product or service to that, it's only going to bless and benefit their marriage, their personal life, their marriage, their family, their world. So, folks, again, I want to direct you to catholiccreation.com. And uh, just the About tab, just the very top, and Matthew's going to fill it in for us a little bit here. But uh, I just want to read the Genesis Group 
is a ministry and business development company that helps Catholics launch new initiatives efficiently and effectively. We help you incubate your new ideas or accelerate your existing business or ministry through consulting services and, if needed, seed funding. So as I read this, Matthew, this could be a secular business of any level, any number of employees, and it certainly could be a Catholic nonprofit ministry, a diocese, uh, any number of organizations. And with a backdrop, folks, as you're listening right now, whether you are, are a volunteer or a leader, pay attention, because this, this is something that could profoundly benefit the organization that you are part of to be even more effective. So, Matthew, tell us a little about the Genesis Group. Uh, sure. So over these many years of running Ascension, I uh, have had many ideas like like you. I Again, Stephanie, I don't know you. I know Greg. Um, and like many people out there, many Catholic lay people out there, uh, in fact, many people have brought me ideas over the years. And uh, when you have a big appetite, and I do believe uh, it might be rooted in charism, um, you live a life of perpetual frustration. Although Ascension was glorious, <laughs> I was always frustrated because mm. of wanting to do more. Not only more in the media publishing with Ascension, but just more in general. So I gathered those ideas over many years. years and those who know me well, who are close to me, I would refer that as, to it as the list of 18. It was 18 ideas, but it grew beyond that. But I still kept on calling it the list of 18. That was my question, and, I'm sure, because you seem very similar to Greg, um, that it, uh, the list, I'm sure, grew past 18 very quickly. <laughs> it did. It did, Stephanie. So after stepping um, aside from Ascension in February of 2021, I, I promised the Lord I would take uh, six months. It, it had to be a minimum of six months. And if it was more, that would be fine as well. One, a little bit of healing. I mean, no matter how much charism, no matter how much mm. grace, you know, there's grace and nature. And when you, when you, when you're operating at a, at high RPMs for a long time, in this case, uh, more than two decades uh, at Ascension, you know, there's an element of PTSD, an mm. element of uh, mm. the system is shocked. And mm. um, but my penchant was to start things, but I had to kind of work against myself there. So I committed to at least six months of just you know beginning to recalibrate and uh, reconnect and uh, and but I gathered the ideas during that time casually. And then beginning about, you know, nine months or so ago, I, I began to really do due diligence on these many ideas. There ended up being about 30 ideas. And, and I developed something called the blender. Like when you put fruit in a blender, well, I was putting the ideas in a blender of about 36 questions that would filter which ideas were strong, which ideas were not strong, which ideas were needed, which ideas had a whole host of different characteristics, pro or con to them. And while I was doing that, I realized, yeah, but I still like many of these ideas. Mm. And so the, the upshot is, well, I need to create an entity that creates Catholic entities. Mm. And, um, and then there was this reality of, of venture capital or seed funding or angel investing. And although I would take the first step and, and do the initial funding, uh, the idea is that there are many Catholics out there, Catholics of means, Catholics with skill sets in the secular world who know how to run operations. And if we were to bring their resources and their minds together for what would end up being, I believe, maybe the first Catholic 
venture capital entity mm. where an incubator is laid on top of it. An incubator would be an entity that, that gives services, graphic arts and bookkeeping and common services that, that these entities could use. We really could incubate a whole host of new Catholic projects and, and do so in an economically responsible manner. Sure, some projects will not work, but I believe many, if not most, will. So the Genesis Group is, is we kind of say like a Catholic shark tank, although we use the phrase dolphin tank. I love that. Was clearly. So we're like a Catholic dolphin tank and uh, to, to really incubate new ideas for the church, nonprofits and for-profits. And there are sometimes when one is better to do than the other for, for various reasons, and we can unpack that if needed. Um, so, so that's what we are. And uh, so there are a series of projects we have in the pipeline. Uh, we're already fielding inquiries from outside persons. I'll have a board of persons who will help me examine, um, you know, which ideas, uh, you know, look strong, but also guys, we will serve as, as either one-time consultants to people with ideas to help them improve how they should do their endeavor. So they end up surviving because really they ultimately don't do anyone any good if they're not economically viable. No mission, no money, no mission. You need to have an economic model, whether it's nonprofit or for-profit, that, that, that works. And so this is what we hope to do. We hope to really help uh, Catholic entities either get started or uh, continue on their, their journey in, in a more viable, potent manner. Matthew, I love that. Uh, on my run this morning, I was listening to John Maxwell, um, a really phenomenal podcast, and I, I very much believe that you are a gift uh, of that wisdom and experience, and certainly in this capacity of the Catholic Church. So I want to ask you a hardball question before we then shift to the substance of the Genesis Group, because I think it would benefit me and many who are listening. How would Matthew of 2022 advise Matthew of 2005, what prominent advice would you have given to yourself 15, 16, 17 years ago? Wow. Wow. Great, great question. And and it actually elicited an exhale that I'm not sure whether it was an exhale revealing the, the daunting nature or the wonderful nature or maybe reliving some of the exhaustion, you know, <laughs> of, of the past 20 years. So I won't define where that exhale came from. But uh, so, I, I mean, the first thing I would say is balance. Uh, there were many times uh, just out of balance um, um, where I wasn't properly balancing fitness. Uh, although I was really home and pretty detached most nights around six o'clock to begin the child run to the, to the various uh, sports and other activities and, and made, you know, most of their games you always think that you could have done more. Mm. Uh, another bit of advice, uh, absolutely. And Mary and I are doing great. Our marriage is strong, but clearly there, there should have been, been more um, attentiveness to the first, first, first things mm. and namely marriage. And there were no issues, no problems, no, no scandals or anything, but just more hugs, more, um, more uh, time of, of tethering, to, um, to the anchor that she is. Um, and so you're always balancing those issues uh, on, a, on a purely business level. I, I probably should have brought in boards of advisors earlier. I probably should have learned the leveraging of capital. We always seem to be substantially behind 
uh, the economic, we never had a layoff, but it was always tight. So I, I didn't have the know-how then uh, to leverage capital. And frankly, guys, you know, I was raising six kids mm -hmm. with my wife and we wanted to do that, right? So I didn't want that extra burden, but in hindsight, it might have been less burdensome to 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 do what the secular world does, and that is, uh, you know, leverage capital and leverage the minds of others. Um, I'm sure I could think of a host of other things. It's, I mean, it's really a great question, and um, uh, you know, I, I could think of a couple more if, if you'd like, but maybe that gives us a start. A book great to answer. come soon. Absolutely, good answers. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something at you, and maybe a way to, of concretizing this. In the last 30, 40 years, we've had more Catholic organizations, uh, messaging capacities than ever before in history. So many books, podcasts, media. Uh, it's just mind-boggling. And the question becomes: To what end? To what end is this resulting in marriages and families making their homes that kind of place? What advice do you give to an organization that is wanting to help marriages and families take the realities of Crucio, Chirp, Ignite, Ascension Press, whatever, and live it in their homes? Because I think that is one of the greatest poverties that exists today. And without answering that question, it seems to me, all these great activities can build a culture of Catholic program junkies. Well, first off, I would say be totally besides being totally and other anchored in your faith, which I have little doubt you and Stephanie are, I would be totally and utterly anchored in the clarity and um, focus of what you do and what you don't do. I, I, I used many, many times at Ascension, mm -hmm. and I made these mistakes and we made these mistakes, but many times we got it right. I would tell my staff to think of the point of the arrow. The point of the arrow is what pierces. Uh, if it's dull, it's not going to pierce as well. And in a culture of noise and, and in a culture where one's trying to navigate uh, building a ministry that, that can keep its lights on, you need to have the point of the arrow very sharp. And the way you get the point of the arrow very sharp is to be very clear on who you are and who you are not. Mm. We, we do these three things. We don't do these 13 things. And so, so the first would be uh, clarity in your faith. Second would be clarity in mission. And then uh, third would be um, clarity in projects within that mission. Because uh, not all projects yield equally. The 80-20 rule uh, in the world is correct in business that 20% of your initiatives will likely yield 80% of your results. So clarity in faith, clarity in mission, clarity in projects, and then uh, hard work. Uh, number four, hard work. Nothing is going to happen without hard work. And number five, nothing's going to happen without conviction. Now, I believe conviction in your part in particular, is going to come from number one and number two, mm. uh, clarity of faith and clarity of mission. Um, but conviction and hard work and focus cover a multitude of sins. And um, then there has to be on a basic level, guys, a very basic level, uh, no money, no mission. Um, and I'll just give you a case in point. So I'm launching a conference, which I think we're going to talk about. And after spending April and May building the vision, May and June, fashioning the vision with the website and with the initial array of speakers, I knew what was next. And what was next was sponsors. Mm. I needed to get a certain amount of dollars. In many regards, guys, prayer is first. Dollars are immediately behind it. 
because God grace works in nature and nature needs fuel and fuel in this world means dollars. And so I would say immediately upon that crystallization of your mission, the pointing, the sharpening of the arrow and the projects is you must turn to the people who can help and say, we need a burn rate of about two years. Mm. Uh, we need a burn rate of about two years. Uh, uh, we need enough cash flow to really enable us to do this for about two years, a year and a half to two and a half years, let's say, because um, you can't be constantly behind the eight ball. Mm. And if and if um, if you don't take care of a certain amount of the money question first, you'll be in panic mode. You'll be making wrong decisions. You'll be you'll be. You'll, you'll be doing projects simply to bring revenue in, even though those projects are not part of the 20% of the better projects. Mm. So it really starts to unravel the timing belt in the, in the metaphorical car. So, so I, you know, uh, I think that's pretty straightforward conviction of faith conviction, you know, clarity of, of mission, what the mission is clarity of projects, hard work, conviction, and then the money issue. Matthew, we are students here absorbing what you are saying to us and very blessed by this. My wife is even taking notes, but really more as an example for all of you who are out there listening and part of any kind of mission we know our good listeners are involved in a wide range of issues. This is the kind of support that you can get from the Genesis Group. We put Matthew on the spot right here and he came up with very valuable, worthwhile perspective. Now imagine if you had the time and engagement with him and his company, his organization to crystallize that, to journey with you in it, to timeline it with you, to, to, to literally walk side by side, to, to appraise it and to really put it in place in a solid way so that a year from now, two years from now, you could see the kind of success you never might have imagined. Well, at least that's what we want. And so shamelessly, I'm going to just kick out a, a link on our behalf, and then we're going to shift pivot uh, in Matt's new, uh, one of the major projects under the Genesis Group. So folks, massimpact.us forward slash partner, massimpact.us forward slash partner. We invite you to join with us in helping marriage and families become what they are meant to be, the cornerstone of civilization. So Matt, you had mentioned the Catholic Crypto Conference. Why don't you tell us more about that? Right. So um, thanks. Um, So this is not the preeminent of the 18, you know, metaphorical 18 projects, Uh, not metaphorical, but um, whatever that catch-all, the catch-all phrase, 18 projects. Um, there, There are some really, really potent ones in there, but I did this one simply because of where we are right now in the timing of the culture and the timing of this burgeoning market. We are at the advent of of what many believe is a technological shift on par potentially with a shift uh, like the internet adoption itself of the 1990s. Mm. That's a big statement, but it's a statement I've been hearing quite a bit over the past year and a half, uh, which is when I began this, this very, very deep dive into this new world that's known as blockchain and crypto and and the various things that they um, that they spawn, namely Web 3.0, NFTs, non fungible tokens, something called smart contracts, um, the metaverse for good or for ill, and and other things as well. So, so this is the project we chose to do first, and again because of of timing. And so, Stephanie, maybe the first thing I would want to do for anyone who's listening who already have turned off their brain because they heard the word crypto and have <laughs> formed, an, formed an opinion. Yes, yes. Um, 
I would say that that's probably a similar reaction to people when they heard the word electricity in the year 1893. Mm, great analogy. Electricity. Oh, isn't that that thing that, that could burn down a barn? Mm-hmm. Well, yes, but it could also power a city mm-hmm. and, 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 and dramatically change the way we live our very lives. And so anytime you're in a, a nascent new, uh, you know, same word industry, you're going to get bumps and bruises, you know, welcome to any, any shift, you know, the internet in many regards was fueled by pornography in its first mm-hmm. five years, because those were the businesses that, that seemed to financially work in the beginning, uh, God forbid, but that was the case. Can you imagine if we said, oh, the internet, isn't that that pornography thing? Right. Uh, and, and turned a blind eye to the fact that you and I, Stephanie, Greg, Matt Pinto, are now we're, we're communicating through a fabulous technology that, you know, that that is blessing people and leading people closer to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so I tell everyone, be patient, A. B, let, let's educate ourselves before we really start speaking. When I use the word crypto, I and many others use it in the broadest sense of the word of all the things that are underneath it. And really blockchain comes before crypto. It was blockchain that enabled the first crypto, Bitcoin, to be created. Blockchain was a technology first developed in 1991, but really lied dormant for about 18 years until a particular person or group of people we don't fully know, um, going by the name Satoshi Nakamoto, applied it to a a peer-to-peer way of exchanging value, uh, commerce. And the blockchain enabled a locking down of transactions. And under certain conditions, that locking down would be immutable and it would be distributed. And let me tell you what I mean by distributed. It's very powerful. Uh, Stephanie, if you go into Wells Fargo corporate out in San Francisco and say, hi, I'm Stephanie Schluter. I hope I said your last name, Schluter. Please help me so I say Schleter. it correctly. Schluter. It's Schleter. been butchered much worse. Yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> like sweeter. Um, got it. So I'm Stephanie Schluter, sweeter. Uh, and I'd like to see your ledger of all your accounts of everyone who's a client of yours. Well, they would show you out the door. Very quickly. <laughs> well, in addition. In a distributed ledger world that blockchain is, you and I can see everyone's transaction. Now, you can't see their names, but you can see every transaction. And that one ledger is distributed among tens of thousands of individuals who don't know each other, who are Mm -hmm. holding up the network. Mm -hmm. So there's no single point of failure. So this blockchain technology combined with, um, with the commerce, which is cryptocurrency, has created something extraordinarily potent to the point where some people are saying that this technology will swallow up the present internet. It will spawn something that we know as Web 3.0. You and I are living Web 2.0 right now. Um, And when you put it on mobile, you could call it Web 2.5. So this is much bigger than you know, a news story about crypto being used for criminal activity, which, by the way, is very, very, very minor because the blockchain exposes uh, where those those uh, transactions take place. So non-fungible tokens, Web3, the metaverse and, and others are now uh, under this uh, 
word of crypto. So when you hear the Catholic crypto conference, you really could hear the phrase Catholic new technology conference. Mm. This is an Ignite flash fire moment. Right now, can you think of one person you know who's struggling in need of knowing God's love? If someone came to mind, God just spoke to your heart. We're going to light it up right now. Send them a quick message. It could be by Facebook, email, text message. Make it short and sweet. Simply tell them you were thinking about them. You appreciate them. You're praying for them. You're in it with them. That God loves them. If we respond to this simple flash fire prompting right now, together we'll move his kingdom a big step forward. Ignite Flash Fire is brought to you by MassImpact.us. Not just a moment, a movement. Great explanation. Thank I you. love that. Wow. There's a lot to be unpacked there and a lot of education, I think, to be done. And I just want you to comment a little bit, Matthew, on the layer of our current economic circumstances, which at best seem to be in a cloud, forces driving things in certain ways, recent budgets that that uh, I, I think are very suspect. A lot of folks are questioning where are we going to be a year now from now. This is a situation that I don't know in my modern history, age 54, going on 55, I have not experienced. Um, you know, how how does your how do your endeavors um, factor in maybe some of the national economic concerns? Is there any point of connection or consideration of this new technology with the current economy? Yeah, no doubt about it. In fact, this is really one of the driving forces as to why Bitcoin in particular was created. Now, uh, Stephanie and Greg, there are people who are far more knowledgeable than I. Uh, the light bulbs started to go off for me about a year ago on all this, and and I did what I, what you know, maybe I was made to do, and that is, we got to pull people together. Mm-hmm. We got to see how this affects the church. We got to bring this into Catholicism and see what good can come in serving the common good here. So there are individuals who can drill down on those questions far better than I, but in broad strokes. Um, this is what I've learned and heard over the past year uh, and year and a half, actually. Um, and that is that that the financial discernments of how one governs his particular country or her particular country financially is divided basically into two camps, one called modern monetary theory. And the other is, I guess they, they call it the Austrian School of Economics Mm-hmm. or the school of, of hard money, sound money. We would consider gold to a certain extent uh, hard money because it's hard to get it. You got to have machines. You got to go into the ground. It costs a lot of money to get it. It's hard to get it. But if you have the ability to simply print more money, and by the way, we all think that printing presses are running to print that money. But no, in most cases, it's just the hitting of the buttons and the transferring of, of money to, to regional um, banks and, and uh, regional reserves. So it's, it's the pushing of the button. And that becomes pretty darn easy to do. And what that does is really dilutes the existing money that is out there. Mm. And again, there are others who know this argument far better than I. And, and I could you know, give you some references on, on, on YouTube. But so what does all this mean to people of goodwill. What does all this mean to we Catholics who should have a Catholic conscience and not only steering our families, but being our brother's keeper? Well, it means that that we need to assess as to whether one system is is fundamentally harming culture and one is inherently stronger and better. Hmm. There are more than a few people 
who say that, that modern banking and modern monetary th uh, theory is most brutal on the poor. When you have inflation, families of means can absorb if there's an increase in meat prices by 40% or whatever it's been over the past year. But families who are struggling take that massively on the chin. And the devaluing of currency leads to, many believe, the devaluing of the culture itself mm -hmm. because you have desperation, you have short-term thinking that starts to, to creep in, and, and you really often can create a I-need-to-get-mine attitude. Whereas when, when, when one of the pillars of society and finance and commerce is one, this, I'm not saying that even remotely that this is the be-all, end-all, faith is, uh, when one of the pillars of society is strengthened, then it increases the chances of that society clipping at a better rate. And so there's a principle that sound money leads to sound culture. And um, so, so these, these, are, these are practical here and now rubber hits the road issues uh, because, you know, Greg and Stephanie um, and Matt and Marianne Pinto the dollars in our wallet are probably going to be worth five to 8% less next year if we keep them in the bank or put them in our mattress. And so these are important issues. Again, they're not the be all end all, but it's like grease in an engine. Absolutely. It just enables the engine, generally speaking, when it's properly managed um, to operate better. Generally speaking, families where the grease in that one particular grease is, is a little bit better it just removes certain stressors. Not that stressors can't drive us closer to the Lord. There are times we need that, but blessing is blessing. And, and if we use blessings properly, you know, we can, we can bless ourselves and, and others even more. Amen. Matthew, you are absolutely spot on. And just for our listeners, the guiding principle, I think, as Catholics, as authentic, seeking to be authentic Christians, Logos became Sark's. The word became flesh, that our faith is lived out in this very real world. And even recently, uh, a couple Sundays ago, the gospel about the steward, right? We had the clear example of the one who buried it. And Jesus used very strong language. Now, of course, he was referring to uh, talents. He was referring to the way we use our entire lives. But money is certainly part of that. And on this side of things, finances do matter. They are uh, meant to be consecrated to Christ. Many of us who, many, not us, but others who converted from uh, a fundamental Christianity had came into Catholicism with a strong commitment to 10% tithe. Well, brothers and sisters, the mindset of a Catholic isn't just 10%, it's total. And uh, a mindfulness that money is a gift. So to move uh, from a sense of control to stewardship, we are called to be stewards. And at the very basic level, what you are offering through this crypto conference and through this education process is truly the endeavor of the kingdom of how am I meant to be a steward of what God has given me for in the hierarchy of God first, overflowing the spouse, family, and building the kingdom. This is fundamental. This is fundamental about building the kingdom. I just want to take a a quick uh, point of information here, folks. We are talking about an organization, the Genesis Group, which one of their endeavors is this Catholic Crypto Conference. You can find out more at Catholic Crypto 
Conference.com. It is taking place November 17th and 18th, Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. Again, CatholicCryptoConference.com. You can check out the prices at that website, but just so um, you know, uh, if you click on at the top, the agenda, and I can't go through all of the faith-related topics enumerated on that page, but just to give you folks a sense of what they're about. Number one, let the conversation begin, helping Catholics navigate the new crypto frontier. Which of us couldn't use that, by the way? Number two, decentralized blockchain for a centralized church. My little editorial, by the way, uh, if we believe that Catholicism is not just for a certain segment of people, but the fullness of truth for every single human person made for God and Jesus Christ, every biography validates this truth, um, not by force, but by choice, by love, by endearing, by a father who chases after us. That is what we mean by a centralized church, an occasion of Christ's presence to us on this earth. So that number two is, how does decentralized blockchain correspond to that? I'd like to learn that more. Number three, the sacred and the profane, how Catholics view technology. Wow. What a great insight for us to unpack, whether it's these things in our pockets or parenting, the culture around that. How can we form better souls and minds for the kingdom? Number four, subsidiarity and solidarity, a Catholic vision for building society. Five, property rights is a human right. Doesn't that need to be unpacked more in this t- in today's culture? Number six, the truth will set us free, the freedom found in Christ. Straight up, folks, going right to the heart of our ultimate purpose and measure of success on this earth, living for Christ. Number seven, work is a noble pursuit. Number eight, Christ in the marketplace. I could go on and on, but uh, I know that these items uh, are speaking to all of us here who are listening on the radio program. And I just want to direct you again to catholiccryptoconference.com and sort of fill out that, that that's what this is all about. Stephanie. I just want to thank you, Matt, um, not at the end of this interview, which we're not quite there yet, but I've just been just so moved listening to you and and your faithfulness to answering where God is leading. We need to be educated in this. We can't just hear a word that scares so many people and just push it aside, but that you've gone there. And this, again, is just your first project that you're diving into more deeply. So thank you for being willing to step into that and to educate, and not just educate, but give Give the witness, as Greg just went through some of those topics, what a gift to learn and be educated and be formed in the truth of the Catholic faith and to come at it in that perspective and in that soil and in through that lens. So I just want to thank you and whoever is helping you and shout out to your wife, of course, <laughs> but just... I'm just so moved by that because it's risk is always crazy and scary and what fill in the blank with whatever word is accurate, but that you took time to step back and to really pray and ruminate and 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 yet be open, you know, to where the Lord was guiding you. So praise God and and thank you, Matt, for your openness to his grace that is evidently at work. And as a member of the church, I'm just going to speak on behalf of the church. Why not? And just say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, well you're welcome, uh, guys. And uh, pray for me if you don't mind, because we're going to get some things wrong. Um, you know, the, the parable that talents, uh, uh, Greg, I, I do reflect on often. And, and I do focus on the fact that, yeah, but what if out of fear, I bury that talent. I got to tell you guys, I'm, you know, a number of months ago, six, seven months ago, I debated doing this because, you know, 
Ascension had a very good reputation. I had built up, you know, uh, what, you know, fairly good respect by, by a fair number of people in the church who I know and who like me and know me. And uh, I thought, man, is this going to look wackadoodle? Right. And, um, <laughs> but then, the, but then when I realized, no, no, this is, this is broad. This is broad. We're, we're talking about, you know, a technological shift because I'm sure there were people in 1993 who heard the words World Wide web and thought, wow, hmm. that sounds scary. They're going to pull us all up in a web. It's, it's one world order. Right. And, hmm. and, you know, uh, the internet, what is that? That sounds scary. You know, email, are people going to be looking at it? It's going to be digital. So all we can scare ourselves out of a whole host of things. And frankly, guys, I got to tell you, um, when people come to me with ideas, uh, in fact, a guy came to me two days ago with a book and, and it was a secular book. And, um, and I said to him, I said, I'm going to give you counsel that I give everyone, you know, and that is your first book. Absolutely right. It's cathartic and uh, you should go do it for co- now your second book, you know, speak to someone before you do your second book because you want to be good stewards. But what I'm getting at is I'd rather people strike out within reason. Strike out in 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 thinking big and going for something, even if it's not big, just going for something versus burying that talent. Hey everybody, I'm John Paul Schleeder and one of six children, which means we're pretty busy. In fact, one weekend we had eight soccer games, four cross-country meets, and a bunch of other events. But you know what the best part of it was, besides mass, of course? setting aside time as a family to talk and pray. I want to invite you to go right now to massimpact.us. Check out the Live It Gathering Guide. It's new every week, a great way for families to talk and pray based upon Sunday readings. Your kids will grump at the idea. Expect it, but trust me, it will be the best 30 minutes you will spend in a long, long time. It will help you all experience God alive in your family relationships that make your house a home. I'm gonna make this place your home. Join us now at massimpact.us. Thanks, Mom. That was pretty awesome. Uh, I'll close this point by saying, you know, it's sobering to me that we read in the book of Revelation, the Lord's saying, I'd rather you hot or cold. In other words, I'd rather you to be dead right or dead wrong. Just don't be lukewarm. And similarly, uh, I'd rather someone, uh, if they felt through prayer, discernment, uh, discussion with wise counsel, as we read in the book of Proverbs, uh, speak to other counselor advisors, I'd rather them discern and take a shot and fail than to not take a shot at all. I absolutely love that. In the Schleter home, we are very informed by our faith, but the classics, and I might invoke the hallowed name of Tolkien, reading the books first and foremost, but obviously the movies. My One of our daughters and I have been going through The Hobbit. Uh, just saw the movie, finished seeing the third one, broken up in different parts. It's quite long. And then that was a basis to actually watch the first of this new series. And in that new Tolkien series, Amazon, uh, which I think is fairly well done. I have my critiques, but I'm going to say there's a metaphor there that's very Tolkien-like, a metaphor of a rock versus a, a ship. A rock sinks to the bottom and goes in the depths in the murky mire. Uh, uh, you know, a ship looks up. It looks it looks to the heights. And I want to use that as uh, a way of asking you 
the question, Matt, um, first of all, affirming that you are not going to erase the height. You're not going to erase the destination because it's difficult or because we struggle, because God would not ask us in Christ to do something without providing the means to do it. I proclaim that over you, by the way, and all involved with you. I'll say it again. God would not ask us to do something without providing the means for us to do it. And so we declare that over this entity and we pledge our prayers and support absolutely. So here's the question. With that vision from the heart of the Father through your organization, you will be considered successful from the standpoint of 2025 if, fill in the blank, we're going to timestamp this, you'll yeah, be considered yeah. successful three years from now if. Yeah, if, um, if Catholics uh, boldly explore, at least explore these new technologies to shake them out, to give them a test, to see if, uh, if they are uh, potentially powerful and useful for the gospel and the common good, point one. Point two, uh, I think that's going to be proven out to be the case. So ergo, uh, point two, there are a whole host of new projects. Just the other night, I did an interview and a priest uh, was listening to that interview and he reached out to me via email to tell me that, that he's, he and, and, uh, some of his students and some other people, he's a, a, a campus minister, have formed an early stage of some very clever Catholic meta, the metaverse need not be evil from the word go, uh, meta projects already, a total immersion in a, in a 3D type of rosary. Hmm. Uh, it's really very clever. So if there are, ho- number two, ho- a host of projects that are started, Number three, the, the conference, and I don't say this for self-serving reasons, but the conference is, is a recurring annual conference because people know that that's where they're going to hear uh, discussions um, and unbreaking uh, discernments of, um, of new technologies that are connected really to this kind of new internet or something that, you know, it's really, you know, has the potential of, again, mm-hmm. taking the internet to a whole new level. Now, number four is that we, and I'll close on this one, that it's also assumed and couched in the context of proper Catholic thought. Mm. Anyone who knows me um, uh, well enough knows that I love the Lord. I love the church. I believe in every proposition of the church. Uh, End of story. And so just know that we're not going to get everything right, but we're clearly going to be doing any and all things with the mind of, of Mother Church right there guiding us. Absolutely love that. Folks, you're tuned in to Ignite Radio Live with Greg and Stephanie Schleter. Our guest is Matthew Pinto. And I want to direct you here to CatholicCreation.com, the Genesis group. In a particular, give us this image of of this landscape. We'll just say it's Middle Earth. It's a wilderness. It's hard to see up from down at times. And we're hearing these new terms such as crypto and blockchain. And as Matthew has said, that can be kind of scary. And that's part of the wilderness. And in the wilderness, do we not need, so to speak, a guide? Do we not need in our Middle Earth a kind of Gandalf? So Matthew, I'm going to pronounce that you're a kind of Gandalf. You get a little Aragorn and Legolas in you also. You're really a versatile guy. God is blessed. But folks, as Matthew's speaking, would we not benefit from clear faith? faith-based guidance that is going to help us think rightly about these things, form us rightly, and ultimately for what purpose? As we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's not simply a prayer, God, we're going to sit back and you do it. 
But we're saying, I avail myself to being an instrument of your answer. I see that that's what this is about. Matthew and his team are deeply about helping us understand this landscape and be instruments of building the kingdom through these very real material things, this landscape God has called us to. So be positive. We had our uh, wonderful guest, uh, Kailash Duraswamy, uh, former episodes in the past, who is very positive about these technologies. Matthew punctuated the fact that, yes, like fire can be used to burn something down, or it can be used in the sense of uh, Luke 12, 49, I've come to set this world ablaze. Um, that's what we're all about with this. So, folks, we urge you to, uh, again, check out catholiccreation.com. And certainly for us, I love my family.us. Commit your family this week to just 45 minutes. Set everything else aside. Discover the streams of living water that will flow from that well of your family gathered to talk and pray meaningfully using our Live It Gathering Guide every week. We know it's a challenge. It's a challenge because the enemy hates us and because he wants to create a lot of busyness about that. But God wants us to connect with these appetites for blessedness, for beatitude, for eternity. So until next time, thank you so much for being with us. God bless you. Prayer is not a desirable extra in the Christian life. It's commanded by God. He lived a life of prayer. He didn't just teach about prayer. He didn't just sing about prayer and agree with prayer and nod at prayer. But he prayed the Savior, the Son of God, God in the flesh. You're going to be used by God if you pray. You're going to be anointed if you pray. You're going to have wisdom if you pray. One of the most powerful weapons in this world is parents and grandparents united in blessing their children and grandchildren. Please join us now in our daily parent blessing. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus Christ, let your holy anointing be upon each of our children, grandchildren, and godchildren this day. In your sacred name, we claim them for you. We renounce all whispers, lies, and influences of the enemy. We pray right now that each know your loving presence, be forged in virtue, and be flooded with an abundance of your Holy Spirit to live fully their identity and mission in you now and through all eternity. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Join us in helping to spread this prayer throughout the world at massimpact.us forward slash prayer card. Brought to you by Image Trinity Mass Impact.